Hey, it's Adam here with a quick message about the episode you're about to hear and some fun news we announce on the show that won't actually end up happening. Me and Ben and Wendy and Bill had all planned to go to the Rochester, New York Intergalacticon, famously held at Bill Gray's Regional Iceplex, and we were hoping it was going to end up as one of those fun projects we could put out there and uh, afford to do thanks to your support, but... Biff canceled his appearance on Twitter due to some personal matters, and it's not clear to us whether or not he did that based on our plans to meet him. But if you caught wind of our plan before the cancellation and made travel plans of your own, yeah, we're in the same boat. I'm changing a bunch of flights and canceling some hotel rooms. And all the excitement you hear in today's episode, it all went to shit, and the best laid plans, etc., etc., Hope to see you in Brooklyn at the Bell House show this Saturday, and enjoy hearing our innocent happiness on today's show. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Got some exciting travel coming up, buddy. Oh, yeah? I have some unexciting travel coming up tomorrow morning. I got the worst text you can get from an airline. Did I tell you this? Uh, You alluded to it, and then uh, we were in like a Zoom waiting room getting ready for a meeting to start. And so I didn't get the full story. We're leaving in the morning to go to New York City to visit uh, some close friends of ours. So excited to get out of town, to go to New York. Got the upgrade. Hell yeah. Which we were excited about, the status upgrade, until this morning. where the We had already checked in. We're checked in, ready to go. Airline texts us, hey, had to switch planes on you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that status upgrade we gave you, not a thing anymore. Oh, get in the back, buddy. We're going flying. No upgrade at all. Are you? Are you no. all the way in the rear yeah. with the gear? We're in the back, back. Yeah, you're not even in the middle back. We're in the middle back, but ah, <laughs> uh, could have been in the front, front man. There was a trip that I had for work to Dakar. Dakar. And my wife uh, came along because she wanted to go to Senegal. And it was L.A. to New York to Dakar. And we got on the L.A. flight and got the big bump to first class. And we're like, yeah, woo, first class, first class. And then we like got ground delayed for three hours, forcing us to miss our connection and our luggage to get lost in the connection. So we show up like... 18 hours later than we were expecting to at our final destination with no clothes to change it to. And then, oh, yeah, that's how you want it. That feeling of the, of the like classy upgrade, just uh, like all of the benefits of that evaporating in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sorry about that. I'm going with the flow. It's this is my birthday trip. It's going to be chill as hell. It is. It's going to be a good time no matter what. Yeah, I wish I could have come on this trip with you to celebrate your big day. I know, I should have invited you. (laughs) 
You did. I didn't say anything in response. <laughs> so it goes with us. Yeah. But but then you're going to turn right back around and go back to New York. Sure am. So we've talked, I think, I think by now people will have heard about the re-encounter at Farpoint. I hope so. The big live show we're doing at the Bell House. But what may not have been alluded to before, should I say what the re-encounter at Farpoint is? Do people not know? Let's start with that. So, yeah, like we've always wanted to, you know, give the modern greatest gen treatment to Encounter at Farpoint. I remember our first episode of this show as being like maybe 25 minutes long. And it's about a full two hour double episode of Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah, neither of us have have dug back into that file to actually know the answer to that question. (laughs) Yeah, we should probably just go through it and like redline it. Just like, okay, we can't do any of this material, you know? I remember so little of it. I am excited to do it all over again. And that is the reason for the show. Yeah. We're going to do a live Greatest Gen show. It's not going to be like a touring show. It's not going to be like the tours we've done about the movies. We're doing a live podcast about Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. Where we're going to do it right this time. We're going to do it right, and it's exclusive, you know? If you if you don't see it, you don't see it. If it's good enough, we should just replace the version that's online right now. <laughs> we should murder that first version. <laughs> you know, um, I had a professor in film school that said editing was all about killing your babies. You'll always have that shot that you just love how it came out, yeah. and you're, you're trying to force it into the edit, and it's making uh-huh. the piece worse so you're the shots you're saying we could only do this sort of thing in new york (laughs) there there are some places we could do this live show where where legally we'd be prevented from doing that yeah we were invited to do it in nashville couldn't do it there Mm -hmm. but before we do that we're going on another little mission that is kind of an experiment for us as well we're going to a regional It's not even a Star Trek convention. It's just like a sci-fi convention in Rochester, New York, at which Biff Yeager will be making an appearance. That's right, Ben. We are going to Intergalacticon, which is a four-day science fiction convention at Bill Gray's Regional Iceplex in Rochester, New York. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. And the reason this popped up on our radar was the appearance of someone who's very special to the show. Yeah, we, we're going to try and get ourselves a natural Jaeger. I thought it'd be kind of fun to take a Biff Jaeger trading card and get him to sign it again. Yeah, that is what we should do. I have a stack <laughs> of Biff Jaegers, and I'm going to get them double signed. <laughs> Man, this will make the Jaeger bubble even crazier because we're forking the supply of Jaegers, right? Yeah. You know, like there'll be like double signed Jaegers, which are rare, but also the single signed Jaegers will become more rare because so much of the supply of single Jaegers is is becoming rare. It's very true. We're both so excited to be meeting Biff Jaeger for the first time in person. We've had a number of positive interactions with him online. Looking forward to sitting down with him. And Ben, both of these projects, I would say, are... Due to the support we received during the Max Fun Drive, we were talking about new and interesting projects to do. These were two of them that were on our list. I'm really excited about it. I don't really know what, uh, 
Like the trip to Intergalacticon is very much an open-ended thing. Like I, I, I hope we get a chance to ask him some questions on microphone. Who knows? At the very least, I'd love to shake the man's hand because he's been the source of so much joy for us and the friends of DeSoto over the years. That's our way. We uh, under-promise, over-deliver. That's the greatest <laughs> gen promise. But this works out nicely for our friends of DeSoto in the northeastern part of the country because if you live in New York State or environs, you could potentially hit up this strange sci-fi fantasy convention, <laughs> yeah. hang out with us and Biff Yeager, and then the very next day, see this re-encounter at Farpoint at the Bell House. Man, that would be a pretty exciting weekend of it all. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm also going to be seeing some family in Philly the weekend before, so I'll be bopping around the tri-state area a little bit. I, I can hear the friends of DeSoto screaming at their car stereos right now. When? When is this? <laughs> June 2nd. We'll be at Bill Gray's Regional Iceplex in Rochester, New York. And then uh, the very next day on Saturday, June 3rd, we'll be at the Bell House doing re-encounter at Farpoint. I'm pumped. I love that it's uh, it's not the Bill Gray Regional Iceplex. <laughs> it's, Bill Gr- it's like the possessive Bill Gray's. Regional. I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. They should rename it the Biff Yeager Regionalized Plex, though, if I have my way. There are a number of guests at this thing, given the very rare appearance sticker. So uh, pretty excited to meet Biff Yeager in person. Yeah. Let's see. I'm going to cruise through the guests and see who else. We got a J.G. Hertzler Whoa, in the house. Oh, dang. Who are the rest of our Star Trek Intergalacticon got some some deep cuts, huh? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them. We've got Randy James at his first ever convention. Wow. He, of course, of all this, God, all the Star Trek series. Deep Space Nine, Next Generation. He was in Star Trek First Contact. You know, Randy James just from looking at him. Ah, uh, man. This is, this is going to be great. Do you think J.G. Hertzler appears with an eye patch? We got a Tim Russ. Whoa. Tim Russ is going to be there. That's great. Rare New York appearance for Tim Russ. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah. This is going to be great. <laughs> we are going to have so much fun in Rochester. Hope all the FODs can make it there to make it super extra fun. At Bill Gray's Regional Iceplex. <laughs> The graphic design on these uh, on these posters is absolutely incredible. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> this is exactly the sort of convention that I grew up going to. Uh, the tiny convention. Yeah, yeah. The convention where much of the imagery on the front page of the website is clearly done in MS Paint. Yeah. Like, this fucking rules. It really does. It's going to be a great time. Rochester, a place I've never been to before, so looking forward to eating and drinking all of the delicacies of a Rochester, New York. Oh, yeah. Is is Rochester garbage plate country? Is it? it, Garbage plate's like an upstate New York delicacy, right? Oh, I don't know. I love a garbage plate, though. Let's see. Yeah, the Rochester garbage plate. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. It's like a bunch of like potatoes and shit on a on a plate under melty cheese. Well, we got to eat, Ben. I know we're going to be there getting a garbage plate before we head out. 
it's going to be a real barnstorm. We're going to be in there the morning of and then out the evening of. Yeah, we should probably... <laughs> We're trying to sell tickets to re-encounter at Farpoint, and it's now become like, see Ben and Adam after having consumed garbage plate, <laughs> attempt to struggle through a matinee performance. <laughs> I'm excited for re-encounter at Farpoint. Our touring shows are different from a Greatest Gen show, and this is, I think, going to be a more pure expression of the Greatest Gen concept. Yeah. I mean, and in that way, I am sort of resentful that you talked me into doing it. <laughs> that is most definitely how it went. <laughs> well, Adam, we may or may not survive this upcoming barnstorm in New York State, but uh, certain people survive a certain board sphere crash in today's episode. Do you want to get into it? Let's do that right away, Ben. It's Star Trek Voyager, Season 6, Episode 2, Survival Instinct. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. <laughs> One of only two episodes written by Ronald D. Moore. Yeah, he's usually uh, a credited director, right? Yeah. Man. Yeah. We called open on an escape sphere crashing under the surface of a planet. Ben, it's established here canonically that Borg's cubes, life rafts are always spheres, right? I think so, yeah. Or is this just a little scout ship? I mean, I, I'm guessing it's, a, it's an escape raft, yeah. Crashes on like a Dagobah-class planet. Very wet, very, lots of uh, dangling vines and mist everywhere. I'm sure it's perfectly safe for droids. There's always one person in the life raft that like designates themselves as the leader. Right. And in this one, it's seven of nine <laughs> from Jump, yeah. which doesn't quite match up with the numbers that the other in her group ascribe to, right? Like seven is actually the leader number. It's not like one of nine would be the leader. Right, because we one of these guys is the primary adjunct and another is the secondary adjunct. She's the tertiary adjunct, and yet she's the one calling the shots around here. Yeah, yeah. She's giving out the, the ketchup packets. Like she's, she's uh, doing all the rationing of the survival food that they have. I love that as far as food goes... It's a dead drone. <laughs> and they drag this guy with them to use how they will. Yeah. We also learn that their link to the collective is severed, so they've got to just talk to each other, which is not ideal for drones. Not the way drones like to roll. The worst part of any marooning, I think. Mm. Having to talk to each other. Yeah. I mean, it was probably boring as hell in the life raft before they even crashed here, right? God, unwind this episode a week before. Like, <laughs> give me that story. How long have they been floating before crashing into this planet? Yeah, like, are they, like, farting up the sphere? Does the sphere have the same facilities? Can they shower? Yeah. Or are they just, like, already bedraggled to hell? It's hard to tell with a drone. I don't think there is any showering on a Borg ship. I mean, there aren't enough plastic bags to wrap around all of the implants either, right? 
Right. You imagine the line to the plastic before getting to the shower? That's why they oh. don't have showers. Yeah, just brutal. And it's also like, it's really hard to slip those Adidas slide sandals over your Borg feet because yeah. you got so much like machinery on there. Yeah, it's a lot. So everybody winds up getting Borg foot fungus. You'll never make it to the bigs <laughs> with fungus on your shower shoes. After the theme... Janeway's log tells us that Voyager is docked at the Marconian space dock, and the crew is psyched yeah. to have some shore leave. It feels like it's been a while. I mean, the Marconians are legendary for their almonds. Right. Their space station looks pretty good, too. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> this absolutely kills Tuvok in the way that is so obvious. Like, as we tour around the ship, and see the sheer quantity of people on board stuffed into corridors at any given point. I don't know how Tuvok is handling this at all. I would be fully melting down if I were him. Tuvok's like thrown all the furniture out of his quarters and just has a candle in there. And that's like all he can do <laughs> is just like focus on candle. <laughs> oh man, just dying. To give uh, Chicote some real fun physical comedy to do bringing this crazy racket thing onto the bridge which is really like they really went promenade of deep space nine level crowded with the number of weird aliens just walking around and they can just show themselves onto the bridge and look around and touch anything is this a da vinci created machine it, it looked like a a butt slapping machine <laughs> of a da vinci design you know it really does look like you could slap significant numbers of butts simultaneously yeah. using this device. We'll put it down anywhere. So they've really thrown the doors open, and that means a flood of captain's trinkets are making their way towards Janeway's office. A lot of physical comedy with Janeway as well. She's, you know, working with some kind of crazy flower arrangement. There's leaves in her hair and dangling off her uniform and stuff. One of the best practical effects is sentient plant yeah because all you have to do is have someone out of frame sort of wiggle the pot <laughs> and it looks like that thing's going for you yeah that's, <laughs> it plants on you <laughs> you put a little bit of mud or crud on janeway's forehead mm -hmm. it looks like it's grabbing at that face yeah get some water wipe off that crud it's terrifying so tuvok's been nabbing minor crooks all morning He's prepared a three-page report on all the little lightweight crimes that have been committed. Yeah. And uh, this episode's starting off super light, super fun little cold open here. He's on the record as being anti-open ship policy. And Chakotay and Janeway hear that. Yeah. But also they're like, come on, like we've met, we've met so many racists over the years. Let's enjoy these non-racists. <laughs> Let's just bask in the warmth of a crowd of non-racists <laughs> tracking their fucking mud through every corridor. <laughs> Adam is like, I would prefer the racists. <laughs> <laughs> no. Clean racists over dirty non-racists any day of the week. No. <laughs> Do you think Chakotay sort of sees what this plant's doing with Janeway and is going like, uh, oh, she's not into the hair tugging, but she's not 
not into the hair tugging. He's just filing that away for later in case Uh something happens. (laughs) Chakotay's looking at Janeway being like pressed deeper into her seat behind the desk by this plant, Mm -hmm. having her hair tussled and maybe like a little little forehead schmutz happening. (laughs) Camera rolls down to his fist, snaps a pencil. (laughs) Camera racks over to the butt paddling machine. Paddle comes down on a pencil, cracks it a down. <laughs> Mud of yours. In the ass lab, Naomi Wildman is hanging out with Seven of Nine and uh, expressing great displeasure that Seven is pushing their lunch 45 minutes. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. Because she's scanning the station instead of spending quality time with her young charge. Seven really needs some granola bars or candy or something yeah or like one of those uh that toy that's in every pediatrician waiting room that's like the curly cues of of uh wire with beads that you can run around them can you imagine the 24th century version of that go occupy yourself naomi i'm doing shit here it sucks naomi really needs age-appropriate friends she doesn't have any and so she's seven's problem yeah And Seven's trying to do work, but Naomi eventually guilts her into going to lunch. And uh, we cut over to Neelix's restaurant where the marsupial surprise has been a very popular dish among the visiting dignitaries. We only had two kilos of pouches to begin with, and it's all gone. Now, how about some pizza, huh? I mean, once you eat it, there's actually two surprises. (laughs) That second one happens later. (laughs) Yeah. Seven is not loving the the noisiness in the lunchroom. Don't blame her at all. Can't concentrate on her meal or on the bowl of kumquats on the table. You know what the problem is? It's a bunch of asses at eye level in the mess hall. Yeah. I don't like that at all. And if this were any restaurant and you're seated at a table and there's a bunch of standers nearby, this is why you get the barrier partition between the bar and the restaurant in places that have them, right? Right. And why if there are tables in the bar, they're often at a higher height and they have like stool chairs instead of chair chairs. Yeah. You don't want to let it... (laughs) What you got here is a lot of asses in faces. It's disgusting. The human ass is at approximately two and a half to three feet in height, right where the human nose rests when a person is sitting in a normal chair. Really interesting bit of trivia here when Naomi does that thing that you're going to have to deal with pretty soon, Ben, with Daron, which is where uh, she starts calling out races in public. (laughs) (laughs) and this is deeply troubling to seven in this moment and not for reasons that you might assume like it isn't that just that she's guessing races she's doing species numbers like a borgs would right and seven is like uh naomi your mom is totally fine with you yelling different races in public she just doesn't want you to do it the way borgs do (laughs) Uh (laughs) yeah of course, it's locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. A dude comes through this crowd and, God, this guy. 
This guy, Lancer, whose name we learn later, has got a face. A face that has seen some shit. <laughs> sure has, Adam. He makes with a trapper keeper full of Borg's parts. And boy, oh boy, is Seven enthusiastic about what she's seeing in this trapper keeper. Yeah, this dude is a big part of uh, Star Trek Enterprise, actually. Yeah. Let's take this one step at a time. But I recognized him from uh, Clear and Present Danger. Sure. He's like a parts dealer. This is an idea that's greatly expanded on in the uh, Star Trek Picard universe. People selling aftermarket's Borg's parts. But these are particularly interesting to Seven because they are parts of her. You know what's nice nowadays is that you can bring in some Borg's parts, even old Borg's parts, and get yourself a new cell phone. Right. In a lot of places. Sure. It's a good development, I think. Yeah. So Lansor approaches the table at the Antiques Roadshow with this trapper keeper full of synaptic relays, and he's like, okay, so I found this trapper keeper in the attic of my aunt's old home, and... She says she got these from a trader at Orendale 5. And they've just been up there collecting dust the whole time. I just want to know what they're worth. And Seven's like, you know, I got goosebumps when I saw you walk in with these. And everybody on the other side of the folding table was really excited. I've conferred with some of my colleagues. And we are ready to put an insurance replacement value of However much the captain is willing to pay you, dollars. That's what a moneyless society is. It's amazing (laughs) to be seven and go like, captain will pick that up for me. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want. Mama Janeway holds the the purse strings. Just go tell her what what we owe you. Yeah. It's a done deal. And this mysterious stranger walks away and starts communicating telepathically with someone in engineering and another person in a crowded corridor. You know when you talk to someone about everything going according to plan? Mm-hmm. In the same... It's never good. <laughs> in the same breath as maybe penetrating ship security? Yeah. That's a bad sign. I was shocked that nobody had walked up to the lady and gone like, a Bajoran out here in the Delta Quadrant. What's going on with you? Yeah. Can't mistake a Bajoran. Yeah. That nose is very distinctive. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Where's Naomi Wildman on that one? (laughs) (laughs) That's why they put uh, the lady in in a different part of the ship, so that Naomi wouldn't see her and say some horrible slur for Bajorans. Those people eat Hasperat. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Naomi. Be quiet. Half of those people like pizza, and the others (laughs) hate pizza ovens so much. That they hate pizza. What are you so angry about? I don't really know. We flash back to the planet of that crashed sphere. Yeah. And the Borgs that survived that crash are eating the dead body. So let's eat a piece of this white guy. (laughs) Let's get him. I mean, they're taking parts off of it. Oh, and this is, I mean, if that wasn't troubling, one of them is using a personal pronoun that is really troubling to the rest of the group. Yeah. And it's weird because they're like, Facts don't care about your feelings, and we think biologically you're not an I because you're a Borg. Yeah, and this just starts a whole thing. Yeah, and, and then, you know. 
he's like, uh, well, you know, biology doesn't have a lot to say about individuality. That's more of a social construct. You're being confused by irrelevant data. Ignore it. Seven tells them to cut the shit <laughs> and stay part of the collective. Like she inserts herself into this conversation and is like, we got to be professionals. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us. We're Borgs. At this point, we are recognizing the three drones that she's crashed with yeah. as the three people that were telepathically communicating about stage two and stage three around the ship. I had a hard time until you take the implants off and shake out the hair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of hard for me to ID these folks. One of them is uh, is Tim Kelleher, the one that's that's calling himself I with the mm -hmm. most alacrity is uh, the guy that played Raphael in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action movies. Oh, what a get. Yeah, love that guy. I mean, he's been in a ton of movies and TV, but. Is Tim Kelleher gonna be at the uh, Bill Gray's Regional Iceplex in Rochester, New York? We can only hope. I don't, I'm sure if he is, he's going to be wearing his costume from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, so God. we wouldn't actually be able to see his face. That costume must smell like wearing a hockey bag on top of a hockey bag. So at the regional iceplex, it will blend right into the ambient aroma. I did not even consider the smell of Bill Gray's regional iceplex. <laughs> I'm very excited to experience this. Yeah, it's going to be wild, man. <laughs> Over under, worse or better smelling than the Rio. Oh, man. Where Star Trek Las Vegas is held. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about the Rio and Las Vegas casinos in general. They're pumping in the smell, the mm -hmm. casino smell, in a right. way that Bill Gray's regional iceplex will not. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's going to smell like ice melt and hockey bag at Bill Gray's. Mm -hmm. And if we're lucky, hot dog stand and Ooh. popcorn maker, right? I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to bring my ice skates. I still have a pair of ice skates from when I played ice hockey as a kid. I'm going to get the blades uh, cut, you know? Are you allowed to fly with ice skates in your carry-on? Uh, <laughs> I bet you can't. Yeah, I'll put them in my checked luggage. Great. Good thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want those things taken away. I want the blades nice and sharp for our live show the next day. <laughs> it sounds like you have big things planned. <laughs> Back in the present, BLT has scanned those Borg synaptic relays with Seven, and she's able to authenticate them. Yeah. Parts are authentic. They're talking about the, the kind of feelings that Seven had upon laying eyes on these and debating whether or not it's nostalgia or something else. And this is a bit of a distinction that Seven is unwilling to make. Like Seven doesn't want to be slapped with the nostalgia label, but BLT sort of sees right through that. Proud of Seven here for doing like the first part of the project of making yourself a less caustic person to be around. Mm-hmm. Because, like, step one is you say the caustic thing to drive away a good friend, and then you're like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Like, I, <laughs> I just said it, and I wasn't thinking, and thanks for, you know, being considerate or whatever. I'm getting better at catching those before they fly out of my mouth. Step two is not saying those things at all, 
and uh-huh. that is the work of a lifetime for me. <laughs> but like, if you can just right on the heel of saying something, being like, oh, <laughs> I said it and I know I said it and I shouldn't have said it. Please be patient. This is what Seven's doing here. She's getting better. Yeah. She does not totally smash BLT's nuts. Sufficient enough for BLT to actually do the turnaround and go like, hey, I really meant what I said. And I think uh, I think maybe some further thinking about this could do you some good. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Back in Neelix's restaurant, the three XBs are having a telepathic conversation around dinner. And it sort of seems like uh, the one of them who we find out eventually is the primary adjunct is kind of fed up with the other two. Like, because uh, the Tim Kelleher one is always like having second thoughts. He never took that well to the collective in the first place. Like, he was the first one to start calling himself I when they got out of the collective. He's just not doing a great job, like, coming up with consensus every time. Yeah. I apologize for my indecision. Apologies are irrelevant. Yeah, he needs to get on their level, and he's really not. It's like herding cats for the primary adjunct guy. Yeah. Yeah, they always have to drag P-Chan along. Yeah. But uh, the second Seven gets on her charging mat, they all notice. It's like a, you know, they, they stop their fork midway toward their mouth and then push their TV dinners away from themselves when this happens. That's because those devices that Seven took from Lansor start flashing on her workbench. Yeah. So these things are communicating with the conspirators, and they are able somehow to make changes to the ship's sensors as soon as these things start flashing. And on the bridge, Tuvok notices something beeping, but we cut away before, like, he sort of notices this in a wordless way. I really like this moment. How were they changing the internal sensors with their minds? I do not know. They just have, like, Borg stuff in their minds that enable them to do that? I guess. Wow. Well, yeah, so there's this, like, security breach detected moment on the bridge, and the uh, the three XBs are in an elevator, and they do that thing where they stop the elevator between floors and hop out through the ceiling. This is great. Yeah. Every elevator I get on, I check the ceiling to see if there's like a panel that you could push aside and get up on top of the elevator car. It doesn't seem to exist in real life. Let me tell you something, man. If we stay at the Rio for Star Trek Las Vegas, you're definitely going to want to know. We're getting on the elevator car's (laughs) roof at the Rio. (laughs) Not because we want to, but because we have to. If I have to bring like a reciprocating saw to the Rio, I'm getting on the roof. Yeah, they're not checking you for those, Ben. I do have to put that in my uh, checked luggage, though. Absolutely. (laughs) Can't bring that on a plane. (laughs) Can you bring a reciprocating saw, but without the blades? Oh, yeah, just leave the blades in the the checked luggage. That's what I'm saying. You don't want the tool getting banged around when they throw those things on the tarmac, you know? No way. Banging my own tool. I don't need anyone else to do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's hot. So, Tuvok... Janeway and Chakotay are working hard on figuring out the security breach, and the XBs make it down into Seven's alcove, and they're, like, modifying it with technology. And the main guy, like, puts his uh, his little uh, nanoprobe tubes into her neck. 
I don't like this. The lady has a Borg leg garter. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> I don't like a depiction of assault while Seven is, is ostensibly asleep. Yeah. I don't like this moment. That's no, a bad moment. You getting your freak on or what? Yeah, boy. She should have better security in the alcove. Is the idea that people are working in there while she's asleep and and that's why she doesn't? That's bothersome by itself. Let her have some fucking privacy when she's sleeping. Crew people are dying every week on this show. (laughs) Are you saying we couldn't build the alcove into a crew quarters? That would be nice. Yeah, just she, just put some flats some around around the area, you know, yeah. and close yeah. it. Maybe do a, a pipe and drape install out front. That way she's just drawing the screen before right. bedtime. Much in the same way that I'm sure they're doing at the Biff Yeager's Regional Ice Center. <laughs> That's what they should call it. <laughs> Biff Yeager's Regional Ice Complex. <laughs> Good look for Tuvok, though. Like, Tuvok catches this in progress. He phasers all these XBs before they can do their dirty work. I mean, Seven wakes up and, like, smacks the guy's tubules out of her neck. She starts swinging. Yeah. But, like, one of the rare moments where Tuvok actually catches the the security breach in progress and acts on it in a way that, you know, saves one of his crew members. Great scene for Tuvok. Tuvok is right. Throughout the entire episode, he's right. (laughs) But we flash back, and we're back on the Dagobah-class planet where they've caught and killed a deer or something. Oh, I thought this was that same Borg's drone. Oh, they're just they're continuing to pick away at it? You get a lot of meat <laughs> off of that Borg's bone, don't yeah. you? Sure. I got a hot plate. I'm going to get some beers. There's nothing more romantic than a camping trip, you know, sitting around the fire, enjoying some freshly cooked biomatter. The saddest part of eating Borgs is probably that the meat is always gray. Right. No matter how well you cook it. Yeah. How correctly you cook it, I mean. But also, like, I kind of find that just, like, in the deli section of most grocery stores, they've, like, tuned the lighting so that the color temperature makes the meat look all vibrant and red. And then, you know, when you get it home and take it out of the package, it looks Borgy. You know how when you got blood in your mouth and it tastes very irony, mm-hmm. you know? I wonder if Borg's tastes like that. Or like some mezcal tastes very metallic. Right. Famously, my favorite mezcal tastes like the barrel of a gun. Right. Borg's has got to taste like a circuit board. Mm. Yeah, it's like smoky. It's got a little nine volt battery tang to it, you know? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Now it's Seven's time to start talking about memories, and they all do. And that's because food is great at that, isn't it? Mm, yeah. These smells. It just wakes up a bunch of sense memories and yeah. so forth. So, yeah, they're talking about, you know, having gone on camping trips in the past pre-assimilation. They're talking about what their names were before they were made into drones. And this campfire turns into sort of a ghost story experience. It's that scary to them. It sucks. Like, P-Chan finds a guitar and starts playing it. It's like, who asked for that? Like, the worst campfire (laughs) shit happens here. Lancer is like, I got these shrooms. Anybody want to do shrooms? (laughs) And they're like, 
It's like 11 p.m., Lansor. <laughs> like, what, are we going to trip for half an hour and go to sleep? That sucks. That's like a midday drug, not a not a late-night drug. Lancer, I would bet any amount that you're older than 55 years old. <laughs> you want to do shrooms before bed? Seven of nine, not enjoying the experience of seeing everybody reconnect with their individuality. And yeah. Orders them to like do a hard reset on their systems. It's not helping. And yeah. you know, they're they have such a deep groove of being drones that they all like accept this advice. But uh I understand the the difficulty though. No one can quite remember which two buttons on their head to hold down to do this reset. Like, oh yeah. Is it volume up or volume down with the power button? I don't know. I'm trying it like four or five times. And it's like, I don't have a paper clip that I can unfold and put into this little hole. Like the, yeah. I have a fucking Bic pen, but the, the tip is too fat to go in the hole. Yeah. You're telling me I'm supposed to find a fucking Bic pen on planet Dagobah? They don't have them here. I mean, let's just shut the fuck up and eat this guy that we just roasted. How about that? <laughs> can we agree to do that? Fine. Anybody got any salt? <laughs> God, I bet that would make it so much better. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a little soy sauce on your Borg drone. Yeah. You know, yep. some some extra umami. Yeah. Deglaze the back of a implant, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Get that crusty shit off of there. Oh, man. If they had some Chateau Picard from that time they assimilated Locutus. Be ideal, wouldn't it? Make a little pan sauce. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to get that latinum. Put your latinum where your mouth is. I, I've got to get that latinum. Or not, it's just drunk gold. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you 
with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So we're back in Six Bay, and Doc has all of these conspirators up on bio beds, and they're out. Yeah. They're covered with phaser burns and Borg's implant scars. He's like, I went through all of their wallets. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> their last names, all three of them, of nine. They're all still connected with each other. Yeah. And they don't know why. They don't know why they're trying to get into Seven of Nine's memories either. They're like, well, why don't we just ask them? <laughs> they boot them back up. They uh, wake them all without security present, without dustbusters drawn. God. Cut to Tuvok over wherever the fuck he is, just shaking his head. He takes a box of brand new Dixon Ticonderogas <laughs> off the shelf and with all of them in his fist, snaps every single one of the pencils. Guy's got strong fingers. Yeah. He's a Vulcan. Got superhuman strength. This leader, two of nine, a.k.a. Lansor, says that they want to be individuals, and Seven has the information they need to be individuals. And it's different from being a normal Borgs. When you're a normal Borgs and you're hearing millions of voices, it's easy to shut that shit out. It's just like white noise. But when you're just hearing two other voices all the time... Let's just say it's extremely clear which one of them is the perv. <laughs> Each voice comes through clearly. It has to stop. Yeah, I felt especially bad for the Lady Borgs in this context. Like, oh, oh, yeah. You gotta hear Peach and Lansor's fucking thoughts all the time. Ugh. Oh, God. Yeah. She has a 
definitely the worst. Yeah. Doctor, is there anything you can do? And the doctor's like, I'd love to help you, but I can't. <laughs> but these guys are so positive that Seven of Nine can, and even Seven's like, I don't know what you want from me about this. I was reintegrated into the collective without issue. So what's the problem with you guys? There's clearly a memory fragmentation issue because they remember the campfire. They remember that bad moment. And then they remember waking back up in the collective with this all of the drones in one ear and just the other two in the other ear and, you know, having just like terrible vertigo for the rest of their time. Yuck. When when they described it like that, you really understand the torture yeah. of what that would be. You know, like they want to find the missing memory, like what happened to them that caused this and Seven must remember because she, you know, it didn't happen to her. It's like they escaped, but they couldn't escape each other. So this torture of being connected feels like being roommates in college forever, Ben, <laughs> where you just finish each other's everything. Ah, that sucks. Yeah. Speaking of finishing each other's everything, Paris and Ensign Kim are in Janeway's ready room covered in cuts and bruises. And you really wonder what sort of a butt paddling machine they got into a fight with <laughs> on the station. <laughs> and they actually do tell the story of playing a game involving this device, not knowing the rules. And it started a huge bar fight. Yeah. And their punishment is confinement to quarters. And Janeway is such a cool boss. She's like, at least tell me you won, didn't you? And they did. Good. Dismissed. Did you take that to mean they won the fight or they won the game? Oh, I, I took it as game. Interesting. I, th I thought maybe she meant the fight. <laughs> yeah, we kicked everyone's ass. <laughs> That's dark, but better. Janeway's been in such a combative headspace lately with all the threats that have been befalling yeah. the ship. It kind of wouldn't surprise me. So Seven, like, passes Kim and Paris on their way out to have a meeting with Janeway, and she's like, the collective deliberately wiped my memory of my reintegration, but that gap is all the same, though, between me <laughs> and the other Borgs on the ship. Why? Why that gap indeed, Seven? Yeah. There's coffee in the gaps in your memories. She's got a suggestion for how she could help them all find this missing memory. The downside is that it could lobotomize me forever, but the upside is I may solve this mystery that we've decided is crucial in this very moment. Rejoining the triad is the suggestion. If she integrates into this micro-collective that they have formed, maybe that's the answer. And Janeway's like, that sounds bad unless you like them as much as I like Tom Mervyn's. <laughs> <laughs> This is such a weird reframing of the circumstance because Janeway's like, I know you just met them, but would you co-sign a credit card application for them? <laughs> would you feel obligated to go to their homes for the holidays and birthdays? <laughs> would you have an extremely short fuse whenever a casual observation is made about the way you live <laughs> as if they are attacking you personally? If so, these may be your family members. <laughs> so uh, Seven's got something big to consider. 
And, you know, who else would you want to bounce a weighty decision like this off of than Naomi Wildman? So uh, she and Naomi have a conversation about, you know, like, what, what does family mean to you, Naomi? And what does it mean to Seven? What mean family, Seven? It's like if you're invited to a holiday and you don't show up, it really fucking matters. Everyone takes it really personally and yeah. doesn't accept that you might have had other shit to do <laughs> that was also important. Yeah. The big takeaway is that uh, Naomi and Seven may just be family, completely independent of Naomi Wildman's mother's opinion on the matter. Yeah. I did like that the camera kept pulling back and uh, Ensign Wildman is down the corridor and sees this interchange happen and snaps a pencil in her hand. Don't like that. (laughs) Does Naomi ever do the slick back thing of pretending to be Data? Because Naomi is spending a lot of time with Seven and you'd expect a little more behavior crossover than just racist observations in the mess hall right yeah yeah does does naomi want to be an xb like do you think she could like get seven to like inject some nanoprobes into her just to get her to xb status not fully assimilated that's the only naomi wildman storyline i care about Ben. (laughs) assistance is futile so the big day arrives and the doc is there to help seven and the gang become a quartet and uh i was like oh like i never really thought about the fact that there are a bunch of other charging pads there that nobody ever uses and i was like trying to remember if seven is always on that you know second one in from the right when she recharges or does she like jump around you know is it like when you're in a couple and like you have your side of the bed that you always go to or or does seven like really use the space Maybe they're like those clear plastic day of the week vitamin containers. And <laughs> she's got one for all the days. Yeah. So she doesn't have to like do her sheets laundry as often as everybody else does. Precisely. The doctor's in the alcove and he's like, well, there's nothing I can do but watch, but I'm a doctor. So I'll watch. Yeah. He likes to watch. Tommy, 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 Tommy. They jump on the pads and we start reliving this memory and it's kind of a fast cut of a lot of the stuff we've already seen but uh we get a, a new moment where seven hears another borg's drone off in the distance on this planet and walks through the jungly mist to find this guy he's in bad shape he's not ambulatory he's like slumped against a tree stump he tries to fight her this guy seems to be separated in the in a very similar way, right? He's not acting very Borgsy in this moment. Yeah. She's trying to help him. She like bends over to pick him up and uh instead he's like Get away from me, you're gonna try to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. You don't even have any salt. I won't taste good. Objection noted, we'll do this without you. Do it. When Seven returns to the group, oh no. Yeah. She left them alone too long. And now they're going on and on about not wanting to join the collective again. 
And the collective is like inbound, like their beacon that they built works. And they're like, well, like, let's break the beacon and like run into the forest and it'll be hard for them to find us. That'd be cool. This is the thing about the Borgs is they're always like, if you get lost, you stay in one place. Right. You fired that beacon, stay in one place. Seven has heard about enough and uh, she gets her, her tubules out and hits them all. Resistance is futile. I feel like you normally see them going in the left side of the neck and she goes mm-hmm. in the right side of the neck with the tubules yeah. on this. Yeah. I thought that was interesting that they like kind of chose a different side than normal and she like reassimilates them temporarily. You know how it's so much more badass for Wolverine to go like two-handed? Oh yeah. In, in like a torso or something? Yeah. Like I wonder if if Seven or any Borgs could do that. Could go tubules both hands. Four tubules, one neck. Yeah. Yeah. Really jacking in. She's given nanoprobe IVs. Yeah. She's just doling them out to rogue drone after rogue drone. And once they're all boosted up, everyone gets back on mission. And that's what you like if you're the leader, right? They're ready to go. And this, it turns out, is the thing that screwed them up because Seven wakes up and they've all like jumped off their charging pads and are just yelling at her in the in the cargo bay. No one wants to wake up like this. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, in the background, the doc is still there, but his back is turned. He's just like letting them yell at her and Tuvok walks in and is like, hey, what's going on in here, EMH? Come on, doc. You had one job. Can't you reprogram him or something? So back in Six Bay... Seven is fine, but the rest of the group are unconscious and in a type of shock. And the doctor hypothesizes that while Seven's intentions were good, their link to each other is just very, very strong. And it's too strong to sever. Right. So the outcomes are either they'll never wake up as they are, or they can be delivered to the Borgs and they'll be fine once they're reassimilated. Pretty tricky situation. If they broke the link at this point, they would die. And yeah. I thought it was kind of surprising that Seven went to Chicote for advice on this. Yeah. I, I thought Chicote had a very interesting role in this episode. He feels so much more first officer-y than he has in a long time. Chicote, a character who represents having been separated from his group. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's Maquis or non-specific Native American group made up by some guy <laughs> for storytelling purposes. <laughs> Sounds great. What they hit on in this conversation is that when all of these other people were assimilated, they were already adults. So the idea yeah. of freedom was a specific idea to them. And when Seven was assimilated, she was a child and autonomy as an adult was terrifying to her. So- mm-hmm. She reacted by like whipping them back into shape, whipping them back into the collective as quickly as she could. It's that old story of hurt drones, hurt drones. <laughs> Everyone knows that old colonel. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't mean to to damage them and make them a permanent triad, but she did. Yeah. It really makes sense that it's because she was raised this way from such a young age. It's like she was a baby panda. You've seen like 
pictures of baby pandas being fed by like human beings wearing panda masks. Right. Yeah. She's used to the the baby panda mask. She can't have it any other way. That's why she kind of trusts Chakotay because his tattoo is somewhat dolphin-like in the yeah. way that a plastic panda mask is like good enough for a baby panda. This is pretty great counsel Chakotay gives her. He's like, you know, how would you feel with the choice of either living the rest of a natural life as a Borg's drone or living two weeks that are just a total fuck fest on that station <laughs> over there. Cause we are steps away from a space station, just full of eye candy and booze and uh, not a lot of rules given what uh, Paris and, and Kim have gotten into over there. You know, there are so many rackets over there. And Janeway will pay for it all. Whatever you want. <laughs> She'll pay for it. Sounds like a pretty good deal for two weeks, huh? Seven marches back down to Doc Holliday's office to debate this issue with him. And it's a conclusion that she's come to, right? Like, I'm not going to send these people back to the collective. Like, sure, they'll live the longest that we can predict of any of the options in front of us, but, like, is that really living, man? There's no fuck fest on a Borg's cube. There just isn't. And the doc is pretty anti this position until she's like, what if it was like we took away your mobile emitter? Is that surviving? Is that thriving? People with bad opinions all the time uh, are just unable to see their folly until, what if it were you? <laughs> is <laughs> is the counter argument. And the doctor's like, huh? All right. Yeah, I get that. That's actually pretty smart. So it's agreed. They're going to do it. Yeah, the doctor's on her level now. And we get a scene here that made no sense to me. We cut from the doctor agreeing to this procedure to the newly severed ex-Borgs, finally individuals, finally separated, they, something they've wanted their entire lives, together in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? The clock is ticking on that fuck fest, guys. Listen, survival is insufficient. Fuckfest is the only thing that is sufficient. Why are you in Neelix's restaurant after hours wasting these precious moments? You've got a month. Yeah, you could have blasted two or three times in the length of this conversation. The lady probably could have blasted seven or eight times. Yeah. Because that's their special power. Right. I lasted 22 minutes. So we get a moment with each of these XBs where they shared their special plans with each other. Lanceor wants to go off to the space station and have a fuck fest. Good choice, Lanceor. Good choice, Lanceor. You chose correct. P-Chan wants to go to a planet with nobody on it. He just wants to be real alone. <laughs> and I can get on that level too, I guess. Yeah, he's like, it's a planet that only has watermelons and microwaves and no people. Look, I'm also going to take the Da Vinci bottom spanking device with me. <laughs> but that's just because I like sports. <laughs> a way to focus the mind. And finally, the Bajoran, Marika Walkara, she wants to stay on Voyager. And she won't forgive Seven for what she did. Yeah. But she does understand it. 
she uh, did see Harry Kim walking around earlier, so she's like, I think the fuck fest for me may be right here aboard this ship. Something about it reminds me of being in the womb. Get up, Harry. Who are you? Harry Kim. Parents must be very proud. Who are you? They come as come as a pair. Who are you? Harry Kim. Who else is she supposed to get chummy with? Harry Kim. And your mom? Very proud. Who are you? Harry Kim. I lasted 22 minutes. And your mom? Very proud. Harry Kim. Who are you? Harry Kim. One thing I wanted to say before we leave this scene is how much I like the lighting of it. This is Star Trek Generations lighting where there's a glow from outside. You don't see Space Station out the window. You see those establishing shots of the ship docked at the station. Right. But this glow is so pleasant. And I wish it was more of a thing, show to show on Star Trek. It's really nice. They do a lot of that in New Trek. The like sunset through the window lighting. It's great. Of this. Yeah, I really appreciate it as well. Finally, we're in the ass lab where Naomi has heard about all of the drones stuff. I think we got to stop telling Naomi about things happening on the ship. It's tough. Yeah. Because you don't want to have an adult conversation with a fucking kid about serious space mission shit. You know, have you ever heard of the conversation, the birds and the bees? Well, bees are a type of drone, and <laughs> Naomi's a bit young to be hearing about what birds and bees get up to. We get the single brass instrument of Bring Your Child to Work Day at the very end, and that closes out the ep. You like this one, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I did. It it, uh, swung wildly in tone from that opening moment of Chakotay bringing the crazy racket device into the captain's office, like, I really thought we were going for light, silly episode at the top. Yeah. And I guess I was like, I I can't figure out how light, silly episode is going to happen, given the fact that the cold open established that this was a Borg's crash landing episode. Right, right, right. But uh, I thought they did a really nice job threading that needle. And it was a more interesting dilemma than it seemed at the beginning. And I really liked that Seven you know, took this risk to help them out and found something out about herself that is like complicated and something that she like needed to reckon with in a deep way. Like why, why she is the way she is as an XB has a lot to do with when she was assimilated in a way that I didn't really put together in my mind before now. And I think that that's what the strength of this episode is. It's an exploration of that. Yeah, I really think this is an Apex 7 of 9 episode, like a real foundational one for that character, one that I really liked. And I really thought it might have been the end of her backstory, seeing that episode where we watched her parents' mission together yeah, and how she was captured and assimilated. Interesting to just think about, why don't we insert another story in here? And where would that happen? How would it happen? Yeah. Very unusual, very surprising how this played out. And I liked it a lot. I think the co-stars are really strong in this one too. They really made me feel some things for their plight. Yeah, I liked that P-Chan was cool, but rude. Yeah. Lansor was more of a party dude, clearly. (laughs) I mean, he wanted to go back to the station pretty fast. Uh (laughs) 
Uh, seven of nine leads, obviously. And right. so that leaves uh, Marika to do machines. And obviously she has the mechanical leg garter to yeah. do it with. So, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a nice foursome there. You know, if Marika goes and gets married on the ship in the next couple of weeks and she throws that garter, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> <laughs> You do not want to catch that one. Oh, it took my hand right off. Oh my God. Nobody said it was super sharp. <laughs> well, Adam, do you want to see if there's anything in our priority one inbox? Always sharp are the priority one messages. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first priority one message today is of a promotional nature. It goes like this. I am told that my very name is a publishing pun. But I need help to edit, revise, and polish my writing projects because I can't remember APA style. Whether you need to prepare an academic or a scientific paper for publication, polish a foreign language translation with concise idiomatic English, or refine a dangerous conference presentation, SWISMW will be the Janeway of your writing quadrant. Mention you're an FOD and save 10%. That's right, Ben. Swismwa. <laughs> Is there for you. She who is my wife, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the call to action here is don't let pack-led editing photon torpedo your great project. Make your words shine like gold-pressed latinum. Visit mvleditorial.com. That's mvleditorial.com. Look, I think everyone could use this sort of help with anything they're working on that needs to be sent to someone else. Absolutely. You just miss it. You try to self-proofread something, you're going to fuck it up. Everyone does. We released that poster about Greatest Trek Spring Break, and we we missed copy things on that. We, yeah. we proofread the hell out of that thing. Yeah, you just kind of get blind to it. We should have gotten mvleditorial.com on the horn. Yeah, save us 10%, because we're FODs. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Wow, that sounds like a great service. And uh, MVL Editorial, uh, lucky to have such a supportive spouse. Absolutely. Ben, our next priority one message is from Jeff, a.k.a. Captain Chris Lando, on the FOD Mastodon. It's to Ben and Adam. Message goes like this. Found your other hit podcast first. During mid-season three of Disco, jumped on the TGG at the start of Voyager and got hooked. Like suck disc. <laughs> Finished binging all of the next generation TGG apps. So now I'm throwing some scarves your way. Thanks for all the laughs. Hope to see you live again soon. And I'll buy another P1 when I get through DS9. Cheers! Hey, thanks, Jeff. Jeff's very unusual, circuitous path through our shows. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if I've heard this exact order before. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people, like, I found out about it and I started from episode one. I've heard plenty of people that are like, yeah, I, like, hopped on mid-DS9. Been listening ever since. 
Yeah. Never heard hopped on greatest track mid season three of disco. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Congratulations, Jeff. Glad to have you. Yeah. Thanks for joining the FOD Mastodon. That rules. Our final P1 here is from despite having nothing to say, I'm abusing the no character count on the to and from fields to say more of it. Mm. And it is two. This is one of those I don't really have anything to say other than thanks for the awesome podcast P1s. And it goes like this. I've binged through TNG and I'm now watching DS9 along with past yous. Even shitty episodes are made enjoyable by thinking, can't wait to hear what Ben and Adam have to say about this hot mess. Your surprise and delight at the success of this pod and the way people have responded never seems to diminish. And it's a great vibe. Not the flared bass kind. Hey, thanks. Despite having nothing to say, I'm abusing the no character count on to and from fields to say more of it. <laughs> we really appreciate that. What a nice message. Yeah, that's great. That's great. The surprise and delight never gone away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I m- mostly wake up every morning, expect that to have gone away. Like people are like, yeah, we're done with this. You know? <laughs> yeah. Keeps growing. Yeah. I wonder if uh, Jeff, a.k.a. Captain Chris Lando from the FOD Mastodon, has ever met, despite having nothing to say, I'm abusing the no character count on to and from fields to say more of it. They both seem hyper-verbal in a way that that would make a very fun conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I would like to listen to that. Well, if you'd like to uh, put some words in our mouth, promote a business, or just... uh, you know, wish a happy birthday to someone or whatever, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and secure a P1 today. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I had one chambered until you said something in the episode, and now I've changed my mind. It is most (laughs) definitely the doctor for having his back turned during a fairly crucial moment. Of a job that he said he would do. Yeah. <laughs> like, Seven is going to sleep around these effectively strangers. And yeah. they wake up and are screaming their heads off at her. And he's, like, dicking around on his computer facing the other direction. What are you doing? They've drawn three Sharpie penises on her forehead by the time he turns <laughs> around. It's bad. Bad yeah. job, Doc. That's what makes him my drunk Shimoda. What about you? Uh, same. Yeah. Like you cannot let the XBs use a bunch of cold cuts and sausages to spell the word Judas in Seven's alcove. What does it mean? It means Omerta. It means Rewenge. Like you have to turn around faster than that. So yeah, I think, uh, for that reason, the EMH is my drunk Shimoda as well. Love a double Shimoda, Ben. Well, what do we have coming up on next week's episode? Next week's episode is season six, episode three, Barge of the Dead. Balana struggles with questions of the afterlife and her Klingon heritage. What was the last barge you were on? <laughs> you know? It's such a specifically fun word, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever actually been on a barge, and I feel like I must have. Like, not not one at, at sea, but one, like, moored somewhere, you know, like, near a park or something. Barge is the only thing you launch fireworks off of. Right. I know those barges. I know the barge that the band plays on. 
mm-hmm. at the Tiki Bar in San Francisco. I know the R&B group DeBarge. Oh, sure. Who doesn't? They're great. Uh-huh. I wonder if DeBarge has ever performed on a barge. <laughs> oh, God. If we're ever going to be canceled, it's going to be because of that one. That one specifically. <laughs> That's bad? Why is that bad? No, it's great. It's great! <laughs> yes! <laughs> well, we got to figure out how we're going to watch that episode, Ben. You know, th- there's only one place to find out over at gach.biz slash game. That's true, Adam. Uh, it looks like there's only one special square we could hit. It's a Delta Flyer square that would fly us up to that measure of a man way up on the second to top row. Hmm. Hmm. Of course, currently we're on square 29. Appropriate, because we're recording. This episode comes out on the 29th. Wow. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So, uh... Amazing. We go ahead and roll this bone, see what happens. I jumped all the way over. I rolled a six. Tula! Did I win? Hardly. One score 35, Adam. Hmm. Looks like a regular old episode to me. It'll be a regular old episode next time. But if you'd like a regular old episode in between now and then, and you can get to Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Come to that live show at the Bell House. Very excited for that. One cool aspect of this live show. Matinee show. Matinee! Get day drunk with the greatest gen! <laughs> we'll have you day drunk and, uh, and back at home and time for dinner where you can get drunk for the second time. <laughs> yeah, just keep the party going. I love it. Wow. Well, uh, really looking forward to this trip, Adam. Also, just wanted to say thanks to all the friends of DeSoto who make this kind of fun stuff possible. Yeah. Can't do it without you. Can't do it without... Everyone who goes to MaximumFun.org slash join and supports the show on a monthly basis. Can't do it without Wendy Pretty, our producer, who uh, nope. is keeping the ship afloat, watching the shop while we're traveling. Guess what, Ben? Announcement for the show? Wendy Pretty going to Rochester, New York and Bill Gray's Ice Complex. She's going to be there. I have heard that they're thinking about renaming it Wendy Pretty's Ice Complex. Yeah. Well, you may want to hold off on that before I tell you that the card daddy, Bill Tilly, also making an appearance. What? (laughs) I know, right? You know what's great about this is the whole team is going to Rochester, but neither of them have confirmed whether or not they're going to the show in New York (laughs) the next day. (laughs) Deeply painful to have that out there, and neither of them seem very interested in going to a live show yeah we've kind of heard your shit we don't need to we don't need to go do that in the middle of our weekend you know what i'm i'm kind of more excited about the offerings at the bill gray's ice complex (laughs) in rochester i'm anticipating the smell will be better anyways they're really gonna miss out i love going to the bell house and doing shows there gonna be great fun we got to thank adam ragusia for the original theme music based on dark materia's card song go check out adam ragusia's podcast and youtube channel announcement from adam ragusia not going to rochester <laughs> what have we confirmed that i'm gonna text him and see all right he might come to rochester he may text you back after that show hey man just saw this yeah hope you had fun yeah 
He never texts me back. Don't don't kid a kidder. No. No. He leaves you wondering. He'll leave those three dots up there for a long-ass time. Yeah. Follow at Greatest Trek on all social media. Join the Friends of DeSoto Mastodon or the DrunkShimoda.com Discord. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that... For the longest time, I misremembered as a Worf episode that was in TNG, and I, like, at one point rewatched all of TNG, and I was like, did I fucking imagine that episode? What was that? Yeah. You think Party Barge, you think Worf. You really do. With DeBarge performing. <laughs> I like, see, that's funny. That's really good. Make it show. Fun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.